Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. When you follow Jesus, essentially what you sort of have to do, you have to surrender and you have to be transformed completely. So we don't see color. We just see one thing, love. And so as an official position, right, as an official position, of Centerpoint, who I am, and, and from the leadership all the way down to those who serve here. You know, the, the white supremacy stuff and the alt-right literally is incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ and literally is from the gates of hell. It doesn't belong here, and we're going to fight against it. We're going to fight it with love, love from the Heavenly Father who ushered that out time and time again, the people who did not deserve it, but he did it and he loved on everybody. Whether you're red, black, or white, you are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And I've heard it said even this week that, you know, heaven, heaven's gonna be like literally the white supremacy hell. I mean, you're just gonna walk around like, this doesn't make any sense. This is not what we fought for. This is not what, you know, if they even make it, right? Not to be judgmental, that's not my job. I can just look at fruit. But even for those guys, literally, you wish to put into context, you wish to put into to application, you start to understand and you're starting to understand a little bit more where Jesus came from. He's a lot more brown than he is white, guys. He's a lot more brown than he is white. And so I just want to make sure where we're at in our heart, where we are, because I know the media, the media can twist things. And the devil, if I read my Bible correctly, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And that starts with a conversation at work. It starts with a conversation probably at home. And it starts, honestly, in our hearts. Because it sort of sways us to think another way. And I want you to be literally leaning into Christ Jesus who gives us strength, who literally allows us to understand what real love looks like. And so we can educate, right? We can educate. We can, um, we can educate. We can, we can pass new laws. We can do all kinds of things. But until they experience, until we experience the fullness of the Jesus Christ that ushered in everything, you know, for God so what? Love the world. When he did that, he ushered in his presence. And until we have that here, there is no transformation happening. It's just us. And we mess it up a lot. And so I'm just asking. I'm going to ask my brother James. Uh, James, come on up here, buddy. You know, we're literally, if you haven't noticed this, we're brothers. We got the same haircut. <laughs> now, we might be brothers from a different mother, but we brothers. And we've talked about this and we've prayed about this and and we believe Danville still struggles with this. There's a constant divide in between this, man. And it breaks my heart and it breaks his heart. Because we see and we believe in the gospel. And in the gospel, there's no color. It's just love. And so I'm asking you to help us. Move with us and create an atmosphere of change. So people will stop talking about black and white and yellow and red and just get behind the gospel of Jesus Christ. No bigotry, no racism, no nothing. Literally Jesus Christ and let him lead the way. When he do that, I promise you, it will start a new day for all of us. And so I've asked him to come up here 
and be my brother on the stage and stand for something, stand for something that's right, right in the precious eyes of God. And so I'm gonna ask James to pray for us. If you ain't there and pray, you get ready to get a blessing. Just saying. But man, I just pray that we just literally, literally fall to our knees and we cry out to God and say, move, transform our hearts, transform our minds. And it starts with us leaning into him today. So James, why don't we take a kneel, man? Let's kneel together and just pray. You lead the way, bro. Father, first we thank you for your forgiveness, God. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will search our hearts, God. In the name of Jesus, if there's anything in our hearts that would hinder your move against this and for the wrong that is here in our nation of bigotry and hatred, God, search our hearts and shine the light from heaven in it, God, and remove anything that's not pleasing in you, God. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to come boldly to your throne that we may find help in the time of need. We lift up our nation, God. We lift up our counties, our cities, our officials, God, that you will move on their hearts with the love of Jesus Christ, God. As Jason said, your love sees no color, God. The only color it sees is red, which is the blood of Jesus that saves hatred. It saves, God. It changes people's lives. And we thank you for your love, your grace, and your forgiveness, God. Let us be that beacon where the Holy Spirit love was shed abroad in our hearts that we will see people as you see them, God. Not as some object of hate and bigotry, but the object of your love. For you sent your son, Jesus, for the whole world, not one race, but for the whole world. So we thank you, God, that your love has saved us and now we can move in your love, God. We can pray one for another. We can encourage one another because of what has happened in our lives. And that's been changed by Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you for this opportunity just to come boldly to stand against hatred, against bigotry, and just to stand in love. That we will love loud now as a church, God. That we will love people of all color. Amen. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sing a song and we just want to move into that. So why don't you stand and join us. Allow the Holy Spirit to move you this morning. dive into part two of Jesus and we and today I hope you came ready to receive what's about to happen because if we get this right it changes everything you know in Matthew 20 28 it says the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life ransom for many the day the church gets this right the church becomes dangerous so today, my friend Rhonda, uh, we let her out of Kidsville, the couches. She's over there, she's got, she's got motions going for every song. I'm just like, I might want to step away because she's got a karate chop going to that last song. I was like, oh, oh Lord, help us. But I just pray blessings over it, but I just want to pray over it. 
And I'm gonna pray over us as we receive the message. Jesus, man, thank you so much. Thank you for Rhonda and her words that you've been pricking her heart for the last couple weeks on on what it really means to be a a spiritual contributor, not a spiritual consumer. Because literally so many people just come through doors and church and just consume everything there is and walk out and never change a thing. God, when we decide to roll up our sleeves and get serious about the gospel and get serious about your love, it changes everything. So Heavenly Father, I pray today we all become more spiritual contributors into your gospel and your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good morning. My name is Rhonda Henderson. I'm the campus pastor of the Kidsville ministry here. Like Jason said, um, some of you don't even know who in the world that I am because I'm never in here. I get to be with the kids every week, and that is such a blessing, and uh, my heart and passion is there, and so I love spending time with uh, the children and just teaching them and, and worshiping with them, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. So, um, I, I, We're going to continue with the series Jesus and We. This is week two. Jason talked about last week having faith and how to use our time, talent, and tithe to make a difference, and I'm just gonna warn you, I have a ton of energy, I move all the time. It's not nervous, I, I don't, I move all the time. So, like if my metabolism match my energy, I mean, <laughs> but anyway, it does it. So, I just have a lot of energy, so I'll move a lot. So if that bothers you, I'm sorry, like, just get used to it. I wish the room was right here, okay. So, I wanted to start by giving you a little bit of, um, a little bit about me, because a lot of you I don't know, and so to be, I think to, to share with a group this big, it helps to have a little history. Um, I live in Lincoln County, go to LC, and um, in Houstonville. And so I grew up in a Methodist church down there from, um, from when I was born. I worked in youth ministry for 12 years there and um, loved that. I was, um, my parents taught me a great work ethic and to love people genuinely, and so I appreciate them for that. And when I was um, 23, I, uh, my mom died after a brief illness, and she was like my rock and my best friend, and so the only thing I knew how to do was to seek Jesus. And so before that, really, <clears throat> just to be honest, I went to church intermittently growing up, went to Bible school, seeds were planted, learned a lot, um, Maybe in college, went to church sometimes, hungover, perhaps. And so, like, just kind of went through the motions a lot of church. And so, after she died, I went on my Maus walk, and I met Jesus. And there's very difference in head knowledge and heart knowledge. And so, um, after that, I just felt a calling to serve. And at my Little Methodist church, we didn't really have anybody at the time that was working with the teenagers And I absolutely love teenagers. Um, I don't know why, but I do. Now, I have one in my home now. That's a really, it's really different to have one in your home and work with him in ministry. But anyway, I love him too. And so, um, 
it just opened the door for me to work with the youth there at this church. And um, I mean, I just loved it. They were like family, just became a part of their lives. And, and um, I had a great team to serve with and got to know a bunch of the other youth pastors in Lincoln County. We did a lot of events together and did a lot of different things together. And um, youth ministry is 95% male. Like it's a rarity to have a female youth minister. And so I was very much the minority in that group. It was mostly all males. Imagine goofy middle school male. Jeff, but no, I'm just kidding. So like, you know, just the attention span of a squirrel. That's the majority of youth ministers because we have the energy to keep up with teenagers. And so there was something we did every summer called Lincoln County Changers where teenagers could come together and, and serve all week and build in the community and do different things. And so my friend, um, Jason Kilby, we were a part of that. We participated in that. We'd done lots of events together and I'd gotten to know him over the years. And um, about six years ago, I was not unhappy where I was. Um, I was still serving at the Methodist Church where I was at. And um, we were at a bonfire sitting on the back of the tailgate and he said, uh, what if God was like wanting me to do something different with church? Would you want to be a part of that? And I was like, sure. Like that was our big, deep discussion about a church plant. And so, but I trusted him and I loved him and we had worked well together. Um, our brains kind of go every which way sometimes. So it's interesting to, for us to try to have a conversation. But um, so from there is what kind of kicked off just meeting in Sarah and Jason's home with a small group of us and, and looking at what that would look like to focus on making disciples and keeping church simple and um, maybe not all the stuff that I had learned with being a part of church ministry and leadership over the years that maybe was not what God intended it to be. And so I... The door opened. I felt like I was supposed to be a part of that. And just um, so um, first off, when Centerpoint launched, I helped with setup at Jenny Rogers. I'm a morning person. <laughs> I love mornings. Like I get more done by like 8 a.m. than by we get done all day. So when he said, we're going to come to the school at 7 a.m. and unload the trucks and set up, I'm like, let's take this. And so uh, I have an annoying morning energy. But uh, which is kind of part of the First Impressions team because we had another lady that was wonderful. She was working with the kids and getting that going and that was not where I was supposed to be at the time. But through the changes and through the different things that Jason's mentioned with all of our changes, you know, once we left the school and we were in the park homeless for, for a little bit and before we found this place, um, she stepped away. Um, God just led them elsewhere. And so the door opened for me to start working with the children's ministry. It, it, it just kind of, just kind of, it fell in my lap. Just kind of happened. And I love kids. Um, by day, I'm a therapist with kids and children in the schools. And so that's where my heart is. And so I've been working with the kids ministry for about four years. We've grown a lot. And um, later on, we're going to talk a bit more about that. But that's how we ended up here together. And so, um, but today we're really going to talk about being a spiritual contributor versus a spiritual consumer. And so that's going to be our focus. Um, change lives, change lives. And that's what this is all about. Um, me and Kyle are going to see how we do this. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So um, <laughs> in John 4, 31 through 34, and I'm, these are our brand new Bibles downstairs. And when you give back, you are helping get uh, gummies and juice. 
and supplies and glue sticks and Bibles for the kids, more than you know. So these are awesome new Bibles the kids are using. So I figured it was appropriate to go ahead and use our new handy-dandy Bible. So if you'd like to look with me in John... Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, my reading probably won't match that, but I'm just gonna read this. Rabbi, eat something. Wait, hold on, that's John 5. Y'all are being very patient. No, that's correct. Okay. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. They were so dumb sometimes. It makes me feel so good. He can use all of this. Okay. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, One plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get together the harvest. When you look at the definition of consume and contribute, consumer is a person or thing that eats or uses something. Remember that teenage boy that I mentioned I have in my home? (laughs) When I have his friends over, I've never quite seen the amount of food that they can consume in one evening. Or he has one friend that gets up in the middle of the night and keeps eating, and I just find wrappers everywhere. And you have to go to the grocery store like four times to prepare for them. But what it feels like the church has become in many ways is an opportunity to gather together once a week, maybe more, and be entertained. Um, People lots of times will say, I see posts where people say, oh my gosh, such a good service today. My cup is filled. I was just filled up with that. And I think in my head, okay, so what is that? Like, if you put gas in a car, you put gas in a car so it will go. (laughs) So if you're getting filled... What are you getting filled for? Like, are you just getting filled because it feels good? It feels good. It feels so good when I leave church. Like, or are you filling up your tank because you're going to go that week in between Sunday and Sunday and you're going to do something with it? Like, you're going to be the hands and feet. You're going to, you know, um, use it every day. And so consume, what happens is we become spiritual consumers in many ways. We, we, we go to a service, we expect to be, you know, to have a moving message and to keep our attention. And um, I'll be honest with you, lots of people are like, how do you, you're in Kidsville every week. How do you, like you miss the message? You're not even, what is, how you do that? Like, are you not even getting fed? And I'm like, well, here's the deal. My heart is in serving and I will admit, I don't have the best attention span. And so sometimes I am a taskmaster. And so if I'm sitting and listening, I'm making my to-do list or my grocery list. Or, you know, my head is doing other things. But if, I'm, if anybody's ever prepared a children's lesson, 
I learned so much, especially because I break it down for kids, you know. But like you learn so much. That's where I've learned the meat of my Bible over the years was preparing children's lessons and preparing youth lessons and putting that time and energy and focus into preparing to spend time with those kids and teach those kids. And that's like, feel, that fills me up to be able to serve more and do more. So it's different for everyone. It's, it's not about having to um, just come and hear the, the service on Sunday. So that would be a consumer. Now, a contributor is, means to give in order to help achieve or provide something. And I think God created us all to be contributors. And it looks different for everybody. I think the worst thing that we do is we compare ourselves to other people's lives or we worry so much about what other people think. I'll be honest, um, I wear blue jeans and a kids' full t-shirt every single week for four years, okay? I'll never wear a dress. And I didn't dress up for y'all because I really don't care what you think. But I'm a daughter of the king, so I'm a princess. And we have a special day today with my daddy, and so I dress up for him. So, um, because your all's opinions, you all matter to me because people matter, but your opinions don't matter. Like, we worry so much about all that. When really, what God has for you and wants you to do, and I had a conversation with somebody this week who's feeling led to kind of start something new in ministry that kind of scares her, and she's not sure about it, but, and she's not sure how to go, and... But she knows that's what she's supposed to do. And she, obedience is what matters. Even when it sounds crazy to other people, like that's what matters to God. That's what he cares about is between you and him. It's not about anybody else. And so being a spiritual contributor, that doesn't mean we're not, we're not to come together here and worship. There's been time together. But I don't think it means to only come here for an hour or two hours on Sunday and do nothing with it. Or not be a part of the other things that go on here behind the scenes. And there's lots of ways that we can serve and give. And we're going to kind of look at serving within your, your talents. And um, in Romans, I think that's next, Kyle. Yeah. Okay. In Romans 12, we're going to look at Romans 12. I tell y'all these are no kids' Bibles. It was you. Okay. Really like them. All right. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, talks about our gifts. And then we'll add my own little, own little thing in here. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, this only goes to eight, but I'm adding nine in it. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Okay, so I have to tell you a funny story. What kept laying on my heart as I was preparing this is people matter most. People matter most. People matter most. Like that's what kept laying on my heart. That's what I just kept um, hearing. And so 
a few weeks ago, um, me and my son have had a chance to go to Guatemala the last couple of years and serve and build a house for a family. And the ministry that does that is called Catalyst Resources International, CRI. Well, they were doing a little fundraiser with this cute little print shop and they, you could buy t-shirts. And so one of the t-shirts said, people matter. I thought, I'll get that. I'll wear it on the Sunday I preach. It goes perfect with it. Okay, so here's what we have to be real about. When you're being obedient and serving like God calls you to, the enemy hates that. You're going to come under even more attack. The last few, somebody asked me yesterday on our little leadership um, treetop adventure that I did not participate in. Because <laughs> I don't do that stuff. Jason totally thought I was going to climb up in trees and like swing on. Th- I don't do that. And so um, I can encourage you from the ground. I've just been under attack and somebody said, are you, are you excited about tomorrow? And I said, I'm just ready to be done. I want to be obedient, but like I've been having like double attacks over the last couple of weeks, which is part of it. It's just a guarantee. It's just what comes with this. We do not have a, like, it, but it's worth it. Like it's worth being obedient to what he's called. So uh, this is your funny visual. So my t-shirt came in Tuesday. And I was super excited, and I was going to wear it here today. And so the next day, like that night, I, um, I'm one of those people, and we're going to talk about Mary and Martha in a minute, but I'm one of those people that try to do 17 things at the same time, because I can, and it's okay, and don't help me, because I'm just going to do it by myself. And so the next day, I couldn't find my t-shirt anywhere. I keep dropping, this is my mama. She's on this necklace, so she's here with me today, and I keep dropping her. Sorry, mama. Um. So when I went out to get my car to go to work, this is soaking wet still from Wednesday. So I had dropped it in the driveway. (laughs) So in the middle of, like people do matter even in the mess. Even when they're a mess and it doesn't turn out like you think and disciplines a mess and it's ugly and it's messy, it's muddy, like people matter. So I'm not sure if I'm going to get to wear that shirt, but... I just laughed in my driveway. <laughs> like, that was funny. So there's $26 gone. Um, my kittens were just playing around it. So one of my favorite stories from the Bible is the story of Mary and Martha. And for years, I took it one way. And then I love how you'll read something in the Bible again, and God will just smack you. And you'll hear it a totally different way. You're like, oh. And so, um, Jesus visits Mary, Martha, Martha and Mary. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I didn't put this on the PowerPoint call. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Pity party. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so, so here's the deal. I am true to the core of Martha. Do I have any other Marthas in here? Okay, yes, okay. It's okay. Because for years I felt bad sometimes. When I'd hear this, I'd think, oh, you know, like, uh, okay, uh, I'm not supposed to be a Martha. I'm supposed to be a Mary. You're not, it's bad to be a Martha. But that's not what he's saying. 
he's saying there's, there's times for everything. God made me a Martha. I am a taskmaster. And in many ways, that's a gift. Like, I use it to help run the Kidsville, make sure all the crazy things that happen that aren't supposed to happen happen and go on and keep going and behind the scenes. And, and in my day job, my day job is like a 90-mile-an-hour job. It, you just have to pivot, 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 pivot. You just never know what's coming next. That's in me for a reason. He doesn't make mistakes. He put those things in you for a reason, but you have to learn to manage them. And then you have to use them how he wants you to serve. So I have... I think of it as like, you, I got Mary and Martha. So you got to learn to have time and spend time with Jesus to, to be able to serve for your best and be your best. And so there are, there are times that Jesus is what's most important. But that doesn't mean the tasks and things we have to do every day are not important. And you have gifts for that reason. And when we were reading that scripture it always makes me think of this lady at the church I came from. She was always so supportive. She was my Bible school teacher when I was a little kid. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was an amazing woman. As I became a youth minister, when we would be challenged by something, I would go to her. She had a lot of health problems. She ended up having a colostomy bag and just not being able to come to church. But she never stopped serving. She would write note cards from her living room, even though she can't leave her house. She would make calls to people just to let them know that they were loved. She was just continually serving and still has had to move in with her daughter and has even more health problems, but she will serve till the day she dies because she knows that's what she's called to do. It has to be tweaked and it has to be different, but, you know, not everybody's... I have friends that are more introverted. Their gifts may be behind-the-scenes things. You know, I get here at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning to set up kids' meal stuff, there's people that help me with that because they just love to, to help with those kinds of things. That's beautiful. You know, when the, when the cleaning team has cleaned Kidsville from all the slobber and the babies, like, that just warms my heart because my love language acts of service and when things are where they're supposed to be, I just get so giddy. And so, like, everybody's got different gifts. You're not supposed to be your neighbor. You're not supposed to be your sister. You are in your gifts. And here's what I see a lot. I see people that they're not serving because they're serving from lack of confidence. Not because they don't have any gifts. Everybody has gifts. But sometimes we don't have the confidence in Christ in those. Or we get too afraid that we'll, we'll mess it up or we'll offend somebody or we'll whatever. Like all those things where we worry about. We, people matter most, but people's opinions don't. Okay, sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's got a little James in it. So, um, what happens is, I'm going to go, I'm going to, okay. I will say that we serve, serving with a true heart is what he desires. And I've learned at 43, in some spiritual maturity, that in hindsight, there were times where I didn't serve with the right motive. Sometimes we get caught up in serving for accolades and for the praise. Sometimes we get caught up in serving because I think somewhere along the way, sometimes people get the seed planted that you have to do good to get to heaven. Do more. I got to do more. I got to serve God. That's not it. Um, it's, it's to build the kingdom and to make disciples is why we serve and to make a difference in everything. It, it, there's nothing too big or too small that matters. 
you know, God sees Billy Graham the same as he sees the church custodian. There's no difference as far as their servant's heart, okay? And so, I, um, last year was probably, besides the year my mom died, probably the hardest year of, of my life. Um, so, okay. All good. Okay. <laughs> I got divorced last year. Divorce sucks. No matter what the situation is, it sucks. Everybody's situation's different. And that's a grief that I don't think people really understand until they experience it. Because everything changes. And even though I've done lots and lots of counseling over the years with kids, getting trapped in the middle of really ugly divorces, and so many times adults get so self-absorbed with their own stuff that they forget about the kids and how it's affecting them. But... You cannot make another person love you. I don't care what you do or how much you pray. I do believe in the power of prayer and I do believe in marriages. But you, you, you cannot make another person love you. And so I do believe for many years, we were together 25 years, married 18. And um, the dairy lady set us up a cocker. But... Um, Spiritually, like, unequally yoked is really hard. But my situation, about a year and a half ago, God just spoke to my spirit. And you don't have to agree with me. And you, I, like, remember, I don't care about your opinion. So um, <laughs> I'm just telling my story. You, you can judge me later. I don't really care. So God just pretty much said... Just, it makes me think, was it Cliffhanger, that movie, where it starts out and he's holding him, and they just released, like, it, we really probably only lasted the amount of time we did because I was just hanging on to everything, fighting so much. No, we didn't fight. He doesn't fight. Like, just fighting the enemy for him. But God whispered to my spirit that it was okay to stop, which is hard when you're a Martha. Because you're going to finish that task and you're going to get it done. And so, uh, so I left. And I pray for that man daily because his emotional and physical, spiritual health impacts my 14 year old. We will raise him together, and he is the main male influence in his life. And I want amazing things for that man. We ain't going to live in the same house together, but I want amazing things for him because that affects my kid, our kid. He will always be our kid. You know, when you create a child with another person, you're both responsible for their pouring into them. And 
we have to let go of this selfish junk that we do to kids when we're fighting about stuff because of our pride. And so through this journey last year, God really helped me see that some of the times in serving over the years, I was serving. When I did youth ministry for 12 years, we were like family. Those kids were broken in a mess and some of them and some of them, you know, just we loved each other. We spent so much time together. When you pour into a young person's life, you just get to know all the good, bad, and ugly. And so I think sometimes I served to, to be loved. Because my mom died. She was my main source. And then I lived in a marriage that I wasn't loved. And so you, I can realize now that some of that was not where it needed to be. But now, it's just me and Jesus. And I don't need any person's love but his. And I get that. And so I think relationships with others are important. I think he desires us to have relationships with others. I think um, he desires us to be, you know, to experience being loved and, and doing life together. But I don't need any of you. I love you. But I don't need you. I just need Jesus. And then we're going to tackle the world together. But I need my brothers and sisters to do it together. I think we're more powerful together. I think we can impact more together. And so when we're not needing another person, sometimes he just, as a bonus, gives us someone that's awesome to share your life with. So um, if that's ever supposed to be again, that's fine. If it's not, that's fine too. So like um, just a little bit about that. And and from that, I just want to kind of transition because kids are my heart. And I think what I'm seeing, like in my job, I do counseling and probably say I work with like 75 kids and I would say over half of them live with grandparents. I'm very confident with that number. Our, the enemy's attacking our families like crazy with all kinds of things. And what's hard is, you know, um, lots of times families expect, oh, is it not been working? All right. Um, I think families expect for Bible school or children's ministry or Sunday school or whatever to uh, save and disciple your child. And what's what's hard is we're seeds, we're a piece of the puzzle, but who are they with way more than us? You, if you are in a child's life in any form or in any fashion, you, that is a mission field like you don't even know. And I promise you, they don't learn from listening to us. They learn from watching us. And when you live your life the way God desires you to live, that makes an impact on them more than any of your words and any of your teachings and any of your guidance could ever do. The whole do as I say, not as I do, that's dumb. That's not how it is. You know, if, if somebody comes to Kidsville... We meet about 50 times a year, 50 Sundays. If they came, every, everyone we were open and stayed a couple hours, we have your children 100, 100 hours a year. That's it. You know, we are a piece of the puzzle, but discipleship happens daily in your daily walk with them. Here's my favorite thing, and I'm not stepping on any toes because I've done this myself. I'm glad Patty's not in here because me and her have had this story several times. The funniest thing I would hear working with youth over the years is, has anybody ever had the scenario where 
getting ready for church and trying to get here does not go very pretty. I told you to get up seven times. Get your shoes on. What are you doing? You haven't even combed your hair. Brush your teeth. Like we're screaming at them. We're just on them. Just get it. We're going to be late. I'm supposed to serve. Ron wants me to be there. You know, we're freaking out. We yell at them in the car. Why can't you get it together? We're always late. We fussing at them. We walk through the door of the church. Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> and the kids are like. <laughs> and so we show this totally different side to all these churchy people when we just bring them for two hours. What? Like. That's so confusing to a kid. Now, we're human. I have my father's temper. Ooh, I've had to rain it, rain. Stop, stop, stop talking. Stop talking. Like, I have this thing hanging at my house that says, Lord, put your hand over my mouth. Because when my anger gets going, I just start bobbing down the back. And so the biggest thing as a person in a kid's life, though, is just grace. Just apologize. I go back to Michael all the time. I'm like, I really should not have acted like that. Like, that was not the way to react to that. I'm sorry. You know, I lost my cool working on that. That goes a long way with a kid. And because, you know, parenting is hard. They don't come with a handbook. Your microwave comes with a bigger handbook than coming home with a baby from the hospital. Like, it's really hard. It's a hard job. But I think when we give everybody else the best of us and give them the worst of us or what's left over, we give our kids our leftovers, like, that's, that's hard on them. Because they, they need us. They need us to teach them how to live the life Christ desires to live. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. It doesn't work like that. It's about loving others. One thing I'm grateful to my parents for is they genuinely loved other people. Like, I can't ever remember. My mom will be gone 20 years, and it's still hard. I ever grew up with my mom. She loved everybody. She didn't care about where you're from or who your daddy was or how much money you had or what you had on or what you did or just nothing. She welcomed everybody in her home and she didn't tell us that. She didn't look at us and say, okay, you need to love everybody. You need, it doesn't matter. She didn't say those things. She lived it. She did it. And it taught us more than her ever saying it. And so as a spiritual contributor, my hope is that you will start seeing lots of different places as a mission field. Your home is, you know, we're all called to be missionaries. And um, we have a crew going to the Dominican Republic this week. Different ones in the church have gone different places. I got a chance to go to Guatemala this summer. Nobody ever says, um, oh wait, I'm a, I like to just remember. Okay, so it, say that Jaden and Emma are going to go on a mission trip. Okay, and so they pay a lot of money for their passports and they plan and they take off work. So they're losing money there and they pay like, seven or eight hundred dollars a ticket to go to this other country and then they go and what they do is they go to kind of nice fancy building there and they hear praise and worship and they sing and they hear a nice message every day and then they go back to the hotel and then the next day they go and they hear a little message at the fancy building and then they go home they go back to the hotel and they do that for like four days and then they fly their expensive plane ticket back home would you all be excited about that no because that's not being a missionary. But that's what we expect to do sometimes here. We just go on Sundays, we get, get our cup full, and then we don't do anything with it through the week. Where, you know, this room, there's people you don't know in here, there's people that are hurting, there's people that need some love and some attention. This is a mission field every week. 
the, the, the street where you work, when you're out at the store. Um, everywhere is a mission field. And when I, when I worked in youth ministry, that's how I saw it all the time. I thought, oh my gosh, there's so much a mission field right here, just right here in little Houstonville, like in Lincoln County. Well, I would never want to go anywhere. And it wasn't until last year that God ever laid in my heart to go anywhere for him because I saw where we were as a mission field. There were, there were people that didn't know Christ. You know, it used to be that, that um, I went to a funeral a couple weeks ago and they, it was at a graveside service, so we didn't have music. So everybody a cappello just sang a hymnal. Half of them didn't know it. And we're, in a, we're just a few, like a generation away of, of nobody knowing lots of those songs and stuff because we have a very, we have a, a generation here in America, right here in this community that have never heard about Christ, set foot in any kind of church building or anything. We think that's in other countries. That's not that's here. Like there are people, there are kids in the schools and there are people here that have never heard anything about Christ or Christ's love for them ever. And the first thing you could do is live it daily. That says more than your words. And then be bold enough to share your story. You don't have to have all the Bible, I don't know every answer. Like, you know, if somebody, if Jennifer's doing somebody's hair and they just start, you know, because you talk to your hairdresser like a therapist and a bartender. So they're just telling their whole life story. And she doesn't have to know the perfect scripture to go with that. She can just tell how much Jesus loves them and has loved her and what he's done for her. And that's, that's, that's being a missionary. That's living it out. Okay? That takes courage. That doesn't come easy. It's real easy just to not go there and just talk about surface stuff, the weather and the ball game and whatever, but we're to talk about meat. I think there's two or three little gas stations around where I live, and there's a group of men. A lot of them are farmers and stuff, and, and some of them are skilled workers, and some are retired, and they gather back in the back, you know, over to the gas station. And I know a lot of them, so I'll go in and be like, you know, yelling at them, and I, that's a mission field right there. It would be weird for me to go plop down in the middle of them and start talking, though, but there's somebody in that circle that could make that, you know. There's just lots of areas that we think about it. But to kind of go back to the kids and finish up, I want to share a couple of statistics. And these are from 2004, so I'd say it's all changed with social media. But 43% of all Americans who accept Jesus as their Savior do so before the age of 13. It gets so much less as they get older. So that is why I stay in kids' well every week. And I love children. I want to serve. And I, 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 if anybody, you know, wants to be a part of that and wants to talk to me more about that, and I would love to talk to you about that. It doesn't mean they don't, but it's just huge to have those seeds planted as a child to learn about making disciples than having to learn as an adult. I didn't accept Christ until I was 25. Um, and then my journey started. I think um, if I'd probably had some different influences when I was a child, I would have avoided a few things. It made me who I am. So my hope is that we will, you know, the Great Commission is not go to church and be entertained and then be nice to people all week. It's go forth and make disciples, okay? Go is a verb. Don't do and so what we can do is there's, you know, really how we can serve and be a spiritual contributor is it's with our time, our tithe, and our talent. With your time, that may be just praying. You may just take time every day to pray for the volunteers here, pray for the leadership. But you may come in and pray over these chairs. It's just giving of that time. And lots of times we, like, lose our time. 
Um, with our talent, I'm going to do one thing with them before we do that. So I'm just going to take Okay. So <laughs> with your talents, finding your gifts, what you're good at. You can say it with me, Jane. We don't do that. And so um, you have talents that other people don't have. You're not supposed to be like somebody else. You know, I will never, ever, ever in a million years be up in that nest. Lord help. I can't even. Okay, like I'm not technologically, I can't do any of it. And so everybody has different gifts and there's a place for you here. There's a place in different places. With our tithe, there's so much that we do to love on people and to help. Even with Kidsville, you know, like we feed these kids snacks every week. We have all kinds of supplies we use. All your, what you give back helps with that. You're helping with that. And so all those things matter and they're important. One of my favorite songs from when I was a kid, I do resort, I find myself that I resort to the songs I learned in Bible school. When I'm stressed or when I'm just like, just in my everyday, I have a song in my head all the time, but, and I, it mostly comes out. So, but I'll sing all these, like, Jesus loves me, this I know. That sums up everything. Like, you can sing that to yourself every morning. Like, sing it to yourself in the mirror. Just start off your day. And so, what we're going to do to end is I'm going to ask for a little audience participation. So, I need you to stand. Okay. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. We, um, but, and, and I'm going to, um, we're going to sing it, but I'm going to add to it a little bit. Okay? So, everybody put your light up. Okay, this is our light, and I love the little intro earlier because it was the light. Okay, so the words of this song, is, I'm going to say it and then we'll say, is this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then the second verse is, hide under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. And then the third one is, won't let Satan it out. Lots of y'all have already let him it out. What the heck? Get him away. Okay, so, and we're not going to be like, this is the light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. No, it's like, this is the light of mine. Okay, like. It's your, it's your light. It's in there. You're, we're supposed to let it shine, and you let it shine in different ways, but this song has so much power, more than you give it, so we're going to do it together one time, okay? Okay. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You all did great. All right, you can sit down. We're going to finish up. Thank you. Thank you for participating. Anytime you want to join us in Kidsville, we will do random, bizarre things like that all the time. Well, as a close-up, I just want to pray over, over this room. Um, I, I have to serve now. It hurts not to serve. 
Like Jason tried to make me stop sweeping the stairs this morning because I saw faints stand up. He was trying to do that and I, and I did get sweaty. But like the Martha and me had to sweep them stairs. They were nasty this morning. So like, it's just, and that may seem insignificant, but like every, people matter. All those tasks don't really matter, but giving and serving and loving, if your heart is loving behind it, it's all, it all matters. People matter the most. Wear my shirt, you can wear this week, but like people matter, and everything we do should be about loving people, serving people, seeing that person. Um, me and my dad and my sister go to Cracker Bear at like 6:15 once a month now because he's a wonderful person too, and try to spend time together. And he grabs them. There's this little man that just eats in there by himself. He must be a regular. He, they know what he wants, and they he brings them. You know, like who ever talks to him when he's there? You know, just things like that. Just my present, your eyes are open to see those things around you. There's opportunities like that every day to just, just focus on other people, not let the tasks of everyday life just take over. So I'm going to pray, and then what I'd like to do that I didn't run past Jason is I would like the four people that are going to the Dominican Republic to come up here so we can pray over you guys before you leave on Tuesday. And so I'm just going to do that unless you guys leave, okay? So my joke right now is he can't fire me. <laughs> so... Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for open hearts, willing hearts. Lord, help us to focus on being spiritual contributors versus consumers. When we focus on others, Lord, we can't be consumed with our selfish desires and our selfish wants. And when we get like that, Lord, and just get in a pit, the devil just takes hold and he convinces us that we're not worthy, we're not capable that we can't make a difference. Who cares about us? Nobody cares about us. That's a lie. We are capable. We are worthy. Our identity is in Christ, not in what other people think about us, what they say about us, not in what the media puts everywhere. Like our worth is in Christ. And we, during this time, especially of tension in our country, Lord, it's time to share love, to be bold, to be courageous, not to be quiet, to let our light shine, not to hide them under a bush. And we won't let Satan blow them out, Lord. We want to let them shine. We're going to fight the enemy. And we're better united. And I just thank you for these people. I thank you for their love. I thank you for their prayers. I thank you for this journey of this church plan that's been an amazing journey. And nothing I could have ever imagined sitting on the tailgate of that truck with Jason Kimball. And I just pray that you will just bring healing to so many that are hurting. And, and just give us vision as to how we can make a difference and an impact in this community. Would you four come up here? All right. This crew's going to the Dominican Republic this week because we're starting a journey of planting churches there. They'll be here as a table to impact people in the Dominican Republic. So if you would want to pray over there, we're going to pray over there. Lord, I just thank you for these willing hearts. I thank you for um, having the courage to go somewhere foreign where we don't know the people, we don't know the language, and, and they may or may not welcome us. And um, the sacrifice it takes of time away from family and work and different things and, the, and just the boldness it takes to reach out and want to make a difference across another land. 
we're all your children, Lord. You, like Jason said earlier, you don't see, um, you just see us as your children. You don't see anything else. All the things that divide us, you don't see that. It hurts your heart. I know it does. But I pray that uh, a protection around them, Lord, safe travels. Just um, help them to be open to your spirit moving. May they develop a bond and a friendship through this time together, Lord. Just give them a vision of what can be and bring it back to us so that we can continue to go there and make a difference. I pray for their families they leave behind that you'll provide for them and take care of them and help us to know how to love them while they're gone. And just um, just keep the enemy away, Lord. This will be victorious and your light will shine through it. Thank you for the willing hearts.